It's good to have everybody out this morning, including getting to see uh, Cheryl and Sherry again. I wanted to make sure I got that right. We've got a Carol, Cheryl, and a Sherry, and I knew I could get tongue-tied and just mess that up. Uh, but it's good to have you both back with us now that the, uh, I believe the, the COVID-19 threat level recently dropped in Franklin County. I think it did. Um, so it's glad, good to have you, you two with us. I was hoping not to see you two, that you'd be at the hospital having a baby right now. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't mind it a few days earlier, but as I understand it, inducing on Thursday is the plan right now. So glad to have you with us since you can't be having the baby this morning. Or who knows, the hour is yet young. But it's good to have everybody here. Um, I have a question I want us to consider this morning in the lesson. I don't know if it's one you've ever asked. I suspect it is, at the very least, one that you've heard others ask. Um, So I thought we might talk about it. It is the question of, how can I know what God's will is for me? How can I know God's will for me? Um, Just so we're all on the same page when it comes to this particular question, the nature of it, how I mean... The person that I have in mind asking this question is usually not wondering what does God want when it comes to, for example, righteousness versus sin. What is God's will in regards to that when it comes to what is right versus what is wrong, godliness versus ungodliness. Um, It's not necessarily what is God's will for me on what I ought to do to become a Christian or what is God's will for me and how can I worship him in a way that's pleasing to him. When I hear someone discussing God's will for them, what they mean is the direction God intends for them particularly. So how can I know what God's will is for me? By that they mean I have all these different choices that I need to make in my life. Um, Not always choices between right and wrong. But the the big choices in life in particular, how do I know which option, which branch of this path is what God would have me to choose? Um, Maybe when we're young, we don't think too much about this. You know, is it God's will today that I go to school or not go to school? You you, you hope for that latter, but it's not going to happen. Is it God's will that I should get an A or just try a little less and be satisfied with a C? Well, as it happens, it's God's will that you do your best. But... Is it God's will that I be friends with this person? That's not usually the thought that would go through a person's mind unless they're thinking about the fact that I ought to do all I can to be a good influence to somebody. But as we get older and we start making more weighty decisions for ourselves, this sort of thinking can become a factor. What is it that God would want me to do in this regard or that? Maybe beginning with, you know, where should I go to college? Should I go to college? Where should I live if I do? Should I live on campus, off campus? Should I try to find a school close to home so that I can be near this this godly influence? What city should I pick? What's the state of the the, the Lord's people there? Uh, Should I get an apartment? Should I take this job? Uh, Big one, who should I date? Is this the right person for me? Is it God's will that this person be the person that I date? Or ask to marry me? Or from whom I accept an offer of marriage? All those questions. What kind of job should I have? Which job should I take? What, what does God want for me for my career? Does God want me to have children? If so, how many? Ohio or Michigan? Of what church does God want me to be a part when I'm in an area that has more than one choice? What should I decide? 
All of these are questions that we want answers to, except for maybe the Michigan one. You know the right answer to that. It's Alabama. Um, Just kidding. If we could be certain that God wanted us to do this or that thing, that would smooth the way. Because suddenly it doesn't matter what happens. If I'm absolutely certain that this is what God wants, then I know just to go that way, no matter what my feelings may be about it, no matter what seems to be happening, this is the direction God wants me to go. He knows best. I'll just keep plugging. So how can you know what God's will is for you? Because you hear expressions like that from time to time, I'm guessing, depending maybe upon your social media contacts, the friends that you talk to. Uh, the, the depth or lack thereof of their theology, God's will for them. And in response to that question, sometimes you hear folks saying things like this, just let go and let God. Or, you know, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, just give it to God. Just give it to God. I believe expressions like that, um, for whatever wisdom they may or may not have in them, sound much easier than they are. That's why you get that just in front of it. They mean well, but it's almost as if it's just simple. Just give it to God. Don't worry about it. Just let it go. Give it to God. So once more, when we start talking about this matter of knowing what the will of God is for my life, we're not talking about what does God want for me to do to be saved. That's not in the discussion. It might be for someone asking that question, but not for this morning's consideration of it. This isn't involving what does God want me to do to be obedient to him, things like that. Matters of God's will and doctrine are clearly set out in the scriptures. And that's usually not the question that brings an answer like, just give it to God. Um, And I would say, if if those are the questions you have, uh, what am I supposed to do to be saved? What's God's will for me in regards to that? Um, Let's go to our Bibles. It has the answers. But what we're talking about this morning are those areas in our, our personal lives where can I be sure... God has a a will for me in my life regarding these these various different bigger issues. So not whether or not I ought to become a Christian, but also not whether or not I should eat at this restaurant or that. It's, It's what are the big deals, the consequential matters of my life. Can I know what God's will is? How can I know what God's will is for me? There are two concepts that I want to describe for you first before we get into some some, um, suggestions for dealing with this particular question. The first is the concept of the sovereignty of God. As you can see, sovereign or sovereignty has within it the word reign. It is used in this context to refer to the rule of God. So the sovereignty of God specifically proclaims God is absolutely powerful. All the time. And not just that he has all power, but everything that happens is the will of God. And therefore, what is going on in my life is going to be too. That is the typical model of the Calvinist, if we were to dive into this further. It is the idea that if everything that happens is not controlled by the will of God, then he is not absolutely sovereign. He's not in total control. And since he must be, Since he is absolutely sovereign, then everything that happens is by the will of God. Everything. The second concept, in contrast, is the idea of free will, the free will model. It stands in in opposition to, to God controlling everything that happens and ordering everything that happens. 
You'll hear from time to time preachers who ascribe to the sovereignty model. If you, if you might happen to listen to a podcast or something like that from a, from a preacher whose, whose faith ascribes to tenets of Calvinism. Um, when he starts out, sometimes they'll, they'll be fond of saying, you know, this is the message God gave me to preach today. We'll talk about some of the problems we may have with the sovereign model in a moment. But first, let's talk about the, the free will option. This free will model talks about how, or it says that God has given to man the right to make decisions for himself. It isn't that God isn't in absolute control any time he wishes, but it is how much like a parent has control over the child, they may still choose to let the child make some decisions, even to the point of making wrong decisions. The idea behind the free will model is that God has allowed us as his children to make some decisions for ourselves and sometimes even to go against what he desires. But he allows us to do that. He has deemed fit to allow us to do that because he wants us to be responsible for ourselves and he wants our love for him to be a choice. And he'll give us guidance in his word and other ways that I want us to talk about. But God has left it up to us. To make decisions. So if the sovereign model is correct, what is is nice about that, the blessing in that, is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, it's the will of God. So even if you do things that people think are wrong, ultimately it's the will of God. So as far as, you know, well, which choice do I pick? Well, the whole choice thing's an illusion, so don't worry about it. I think that's hard for us to relate to. You mean if, if that man left his family and chose to, to abandon them and, and empty the bank account and go off with another woman, that that is, is somehow God's doing? Yeah, somehow that's going to be to the glory of God ultimately. And I don't deny that God can turn sinful events to his ultimate glory. We see him do that all throughout the Old Testament with evil peoples coming in and conquering his people and he ultimately turns that to his glory. But that specific thing, God caused him to do that sinful thing. So if we're talking about this kind of absolute sovereignty of God, then this whole question of how can I know God's will for my life is easy to answer because it honestly just becomes moot. Do whatever you're going to do because God's doing it anyway. It'll be the decision that he wants you to make no matter what. You have no control over this, just the illusion of that control. So you'll choose the job he wants you to choose no matter what you do. You'll choose the spouse he wants you for you no, no, no matter what. I think arguably, and in truth, these ideas of Calvinism warrant much deeper discussion. But for the sake of our lesson this morning... The problem with that model is, is God is in absolute control and we don't have anything to say about it or do about it in any way, shape or form. And I don't believe that's consistent with scripture. On the other hand, the, the benefit of the free will model is that it leaves me some responsibility and some things that I have to do or not do. It's not completely taken out of my hands that I'm either going to be obedient to God or disobedient. Of course, the problem with the free will model is it, it you know, it does leave me that choice. Not only that I can choose to do what's wrong, but then there are a whole lot of other choices that I can feel like I'm floundering about with. I might feel like I'm sort of feeling my way out in the darkness. So I know God is there, but he's left it to me to make decisions. 
And then I don't know what it is he really wants me to do with, with this choice or that one. Is it door one? Is it door two? I don't know. So I'll tell you, as, a, as an adherent to the free will model, because again, I believe that model is far more consistent with, with the overall language of Scripture, that, that God has not um, resigned his will in these matters. It's not as if God is saying, you just do whatever it is you want to do, whatever you want to do, I'm going to let it slide, it doesn't matter to me. No, it most certainly does matter to him. And we don't have to just feel our way out in the dark. So when it comes to talking about this question of how can I know the will of God for my life, if you believe that God has a will for you, but that he hasn't entirely removed the requirement of thinking on your part in order to please him in those things, then then today's lesson is for you. And I've got four points for you this morning, four concepts. If you're trying to seek the will of God in your life, be it in regards to career choice, education, location, relationships, etc., whatever it might be, four things I think can help you if you'll consider them. And they're not necessarily in order, but I do think number one is the most important. The other three are probably just to be taken in uh, whatever order you need to work with them in your life. But if you're wondering what to do with your life, let me suggest to you, first of all, you choose that which is consistent with the will of God in his word. Um, in order to do that, you first have to have a concept or an idea of what God's will is, according to what the Bible says. You have to know something of what the Bible says. And you might think, given the audience here this morning, you know, Brandon, we knew that was going to be point number one. That's almost a foregone conclusion. We could either make the whole lesson out of this or just move on to the next point. Um, For the home crowd, yes, I do believe that ought to be a foregone conclusion. But for the world over, it is not. And and I think history has shown that that for those potentially weak in the faith, it is not. So I do think the point needs to be made. um, Because I hear folks make statements, not not, not here, but about, about decisions, statements about decisions that reflect they don't understand how it is necessary to choose whichever course of action that is consistent with the will of God. Now here especially is where the world tends to fall apart into thinking about what God wants for their lives because they start with the premise of God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. And I'm not sure exactly where that came from or if it even had you know one original source. But my mind did go to thoughts of of what the Declaration of Independence says. Some of the the founding principles upon which our country is based. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. Fine. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You follow the language there. They are endowed by their creator, with the right to pursue happiness. Now, within the context of of that document, I I love that statement. I want that to hold true in our country. I want that to be a guiding principle for government across the board. But I don't know anywhere in the Bible that God has ever said, Brandon, it is your right to pursue earthly happiness. And the reason I can't find that is because happiness 
earthly happiness is ultimately not the goal. And even ultimate spiritual happiness, eternal happiness, is also not the goal. It is the byproduct. It is a residual effect of the fact that God has not called me to be happy. He has called me to be holy. Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God never says be happy. But he does say to us, be holy. I will say, I don't think ultimately you can have one without the other. I don't think you can be happy if you're not being obedient. But I don't think being holy before God can be had without the the joy that that brings. You're going to have plenty of sacrifice, plenty of sorrows. You're going to go through a great deal of things like what you read about in Hebrews chapter 11. uh, And often sacrifice a lot of things that you might think would make you happy. But part of the point of God's message is, is understanding that those things aren't ultimately going to do the trick. Notice what Peter says here again. Do not be conformed the passions of your former ignorance. The word that's translated in my version, passions, is, is the idea of strong desires. And what Peter's saying is, there, is don't keep going after the things you want. They're the things we think are going to make us, inha- make us happy, so we pursue them. But all the while, God is saying, pursue holiness. Then you'll be truly happy. So if you and I will pursue holiness, God tells us we'll be happy. After all, we'll be Content, as Paul learned to be through Christ, will have the assurance that we are doing the right thing, which brings with it that contentment and peace and happiness. So when decision time comes around, rule number one is just as straightforward as it can be. Is this right? Is this consistent with the will of God? The most consistent option I can choose. Is this holy? And that's going to solve most things. If I can look at something and put a passage to it, that's going to solve it. That simple process, though, that very straightforward of here's what I'm thinking about, here's a passage that talks about it, that doesn't solve everything as straightforward as that, however. And I want to make sure I'm understood. Um, Sometimes you need to listen to God's voice in his people. I don't mean anything fancy about that. What I mean is that not all things that are ever faced by mankind throughout the ages, throughout the cultures, etc., all the specific little things that you might face are discussed and covered specifically in the scriptures. Generally, absolutely, I've yet to find something in life that the principles of God's word do not address over and over and over. But not all situations that could possibly be covered in a book are covered in any book that anyone can carry around. So it might be important for you to seek the will of God in the wisdom and experience and knowledge of the scriptures you can find in the minds of others. So Proverbs 11 and verse 14 says, In the abundance of counselors there is safety. You imagine the spiritual biblical wisdom that can be had when you make a habit of consulting other Christians in your life. Listening to the people who have your best interests, your true best interests, because they're aligned with the interests of God at heart. 
So when you wonder about marrying a person, perhaps those people have an insight you don't have. It is certainly true that sometimes love is blind and we don't always see our relationships clearly. But if I trust other Christians and I go to them, I need to listen when they speak to me. I need to hear what it is they have to say. And particularly when they disagree with my thinking. Or when when several feel the same way. Another passage very similar, Proverbs 24, verse 6. In the abundance of counselors, there is victory. This is, this is a part of why our relationship as, as brothers and sisters in Christ is so critical and important. That's why they're, it's so crucial to have them and to grow them. Because I don't know about you, but I deeply need my brethren's biblical advice. Their wisdom from lives lived for years applying the principles of Scripture. So that I can learn from them, learn from their example, and live faithfully to God and make decisions in keeping with his will. So just to give you an example, I want in the, the future weeks to, to do some lessons uh, from within our series of As For Me and For My House. We've talked about kids and parents and, and did that for a little while. I want to come to the point of talking about marriage and husbands and wives. So those are lessons that I approach um, very cautiously. Uh, I think, uh, Trevor, how many years have you guys been married? Not to put you on the spot. Two. Okay. I'm officially not the youngest married couple, um, but second youngest, I think. So it's not as if I can stand before you and draw upon a treasure trove of, of experience in marriage to, to deliver a lesson to you on that. You all have, have just miles more experience when it comes to that particular subject. Now, I can point to biblical principles. Just about anybody who can read Scripture can do that. You can just do a search for passages that talk about husbands and wives and marriage and find all sorts of different passages that talk about what God wants of husbands and wives. But being able to apply those to the specifics that husbands and wives face that the Bible doesn't take the time to dive into because it can't dive into every specific known to man, that I can gain from my brethren who have been there. And that's why it's important to have these relationships. It's also why it's important to ask. Shelve the pride and ask. And if you're sought out for advice, serve them as you'd serve the Lord because that's ultimately what you're doing. third point I'd offer for you is, is to pray both in faith and in patience. Um, as you all probably know very well, just from examples in your own life, the answers to your prayers don't usually come overnight. So it's not something like, you know, God, I'm heading over to this place. I've got to decide such and such when I get there. Could you please let me know what it is before I get there? In Jesus' name, amen. doesn't work like that. I have to pray in patience and also with faith. I want you to consider a couple of passages um, in Psalm 25, verse 4. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait all the day long. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait to hear his will. Because his calendar is not mine. It has to be the other way around. I have to endeavor to live by his timetable as much as I want to live by his decisions. There is also Psalm 27 and verse 14. 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So it's important in asking God's will that I be patient in waiting for it. But it also requires that what I pray, I pray in faith. So very often, you might wish to have the option to lay out a little bit of fleece, like Gideon did. you remember that story? God, if you hear my prayer and you're going to grant my petition, let the fleece be wet with dew and the ground be dry. The surprising thing is that God does that for him. And then does it backwards when Gideon wants more proof. Man, Gideon, you got one piece. Most of us don't get that, and he wants two. So sometimes in life it does seem almost as if God wets the fleece. And you see this door of opportunity and you almost feel thrown through it. And it seems quite obvious. But if I'm going to pray to God about something, you've got to pray having faith that he will answer that particular prayer, whether the fleece is wet or not. Meaning whichever direction he's going to answer that prayer in, it's going to be according to his will And that must be a part of my faith in this equation. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So if I'm going to pray to God, I've got to pray having faith that he will answer. Maybe not the way that I want him to, but he does hear and he will act. And I've got to be patient as he works out his will for me. So number one, be consistent with the will of God. Number two, seek God's counsel from God's people. Number three, pray in faith and patience. And then the fourth and final point is is recognize that a lot of decisions aren't actually either or. Um, There are many times where it seems God has said, you know, A or B go either way. I'll I'll work with what you do. Um, Or at least as far as I can tell, it looks that way. So when when we were looking for a place to preach uh, before coming here, we visited several different places. Um, There are lost people to be taught and congregations to strengthen in in each of those places and then some. So maybe it was specifically his will that I move here or maybe it's just wherever I'm going to go. I can do the work of my God. And so here I am. I don't know. Um, When it came time to move to to my mind, I I, I consulted God's people, the the ones who I I wanted to seek advice from, um, prayed about it a lot. But beyond that, I can only set about doing, in general, what God would have me to do wherever I am. Principle number one, right? Making sure that whatever I choose, it is at least in accordance with his will. And maybe it is that God did answer. And this was the the one and only place he wanted me to go right now. But maybe what God said was, go whichever way you want. It's still within my will. Ohio, the church in Virginia we visited with, the church in Birmingham we visited with, you can still serve me and I can still use you wherever it is that you go. I don't know. A lot of decisions, as long as number one doesn't rule them out, that it's not within the will of God, a lot of decisions are are not either or. Um, It seems one good example of this may be uh, God's 
interaction or influence upon Paul's missionary journeys, at least as far as we have read in the book of Acts so far. So we've, we've followed Paul and Barnabas through his first missionary journey, and in our class on Wednesday nights, Paul's just set about on the second one. Um, back in Acts 13, when Paul sets out with Barnabas on their first preaching trip, they, they seem to just pretty much bounce wherever they want to go. Doesn't mean God's not working behind the scenes with all of that, but it, it's not written about in that particular case. They're just walking down and they decide to stop over here and go over to this city and then this one and this one, just going about throughout the country preaching wherever they go. And at least as far as Luke reveals, God doesn't seem to have a preference. Wherever they go, he works through them for good in that place. I say that because in contrast, in the second journey in chapter 16, Luke tells us how God had a purpose for them. And when they said, hey, let's go over here, God said, no, you keep going. And again and again until they reach the coast and God leads them to Macedonia. God has specifics for them that time. So some days with some decisions, it's your first journey. As long as you're doing the will of God, it's not an either or. Some days it's going to be your second. So God can either work generically with you or he may get specific. And either way, we never really do know the difference because he doesn't inform us. Which means, actually, as much as that's not the answer I'm looking for, it is easier that way. You keep being holy. You keep being holy. You do the right thing. You seek him in prayer. You seek biblical wisdom from those Christians around you. You try to do God's will and God will bless your efforts in whichever way he deems right. And whether that left the choice open to a few different things or whether he specifically directed you, honestly, you and I don't have to worry about that. Do God's will and he takes care of the rest. And that's not terribly specific, but I do think it is remarkably comforting that what I really need to worry about is seeking God. And if I seek God, he'll find me and he'll direct me where he wants to be. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Do your best to do the will of God. Seek His will in His word. Seek His will in the wisdom of those who have been living by His word for, for years. Seek His will in prayer. Don't lean on just your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And notice this, He'll make straight your paths. So don't worry about, is this the path that I'm supposed to be taking? Worry about, is this holy? You seek God's will, you seek his counsel from others, you pray about the matter, and then you do good and God will do the rest. And I hope that helps you in making your decisions. Um, I don't think we often phrase it this way, but at least in this particular sense, I think it's biblical to say that God has a will and a plan for your life as much as he does for anybody else's. And ultimately, what that will and plan is, is that he wants every person in this room and beyond to bow the knee to King Jesus. And it's your decision whether you'll do that or not. But God has made every provision for you to come to this point today and make the decision to follow Christ. And if you are certain that is God's will for you. 
and I hope you are because it most definitely is, then why not come to the front and name Jesus as Lord and be baptized into him. Put off your former desires and goals and purposes that you have and put, let go of the old man and let God guide the new man. Put your will in submission to that of King Jesus and he will truly direct your path. I hope you'll do that this morning. Won't you please do so while we stand and sing?